Okay, if you are a service-based business, I want you to listen to me very carefully right now. And don't take this the wrong way, but I'm sure we can all agree that we're not great at every single aspect of our business. The whole reason you got into what you're doing is because you have a talent. You have a talent for something specific and that's what you're here to do. You're here to serve people in a certain way and provide amazing value. But then you get a few months or a year or maybe years down the track and you realize that some parts of your business you're avoiding, you're pushing them to the side, hoping that you'll get to them one day or there's ideas that you really just can't make happen because you don't have the support. In this moment, we've got a hard decision to make. We can try and do it all and continue as we are, or we just focus on delivering that quality service and we hope and pray that those other things being pushed to the side eventually figure themselves out. (laughs) Or maybe there's actually a third option here. Maybe you could bring in some help. What would this help look like? What could it look like? What could it look like to bring someone into your business on a part-time basis, a few hours a week? Can you hire someone for a period of time? Can you hire them to deal with one area of your business? These are all of the questions that go around our mind when we start to think about bringing in support for our business. And it's exactly why I brought today's guest onto the show, because she will tell you the exact steps you need to take to get started. Adrienne Donnelly started her business in November of 2016 when she saw a need for all-round support for small business owners. Word spread fast and shortly after getting a few clients on the side, she was actually able to quit her day job in human resources and operations management to pursue a full-time career as a virtual personal assistant. I think that's pretty cool and we actually go into this story as well, so I'm really excited about that. Adrian has a team of specialists that work with her on projects, including virtual assistants, graphic designers, photographers, videographers, copywriters, website developers, and editors. So when it comes to your marketing and content needs, she's got you pretty covered there. Now, as I said, there's a couple of key reasons why I wanted to dig into Adrian's story today. The first one is not so much related to hiring help. It's about how she went from doing this on the side to very quickly full-time because there's many of you out there that want to let go of your full-time job and do this thing that you love for the rest of your life, hopefully. (laughs) And so we talk about how she's built her service-based business with little to no advertising and primarily through relationships and referrals and then the second thing that we dive into is how she's worked with a range of businesses locally and she's able to service them so I really wanted to help you out here if you're looking to get some help this episode is great because Adrian tells you the exact steps you need to do and where she could support you with the work that she does so rather than tell you 
every single aspect of this conversation. How about we just dive in? Okay, here we go. Here's episode 96 of the True To You podcast with Adrian Donnelly. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful, creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome to the True To You podcast, Adrian. It's great to be here with a fo- fellow Newcastle lady today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Adrian is a virtual PA. She does many things within that role, but that is her current business. And she's also got an interesting story, as does anyone that comes on this show. I pretty much pick my guests because they've had interesting career changes they've had interesting transitions they've sometimes started businesses almost by accident and so I think what I would love for you to share with us first up is a little bit about your story because this wasn't the work you're always doing but it's been what you you've been doing now for four years and yeah take it away share a little bit about your story with us Okay, awesome. So I, um, when I left high school, I was adamant I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to get straight into the workforce. I really idolized women that kind of got around in like these amazing high heels and these power suits and that sort of thing. So um, I finished high school early 2000s, 2003, 2004, I think, and went straight into the workforce. My, my role was literally called the male girl. And I had an office, which was where the mail got delivered to. And I sorted it and walked it around a factory twice a day. It sounds archaic now, even if for our, my, my generation, mid-30s, but that's what it was. Um, that role reported to the HR team. So I progressed through and they started giving me some HR work. Um, and I studied that at Pace. I did try university. That learning style wasn't for me. It just, I don't know, the TAFE sort of environment, which is a bit more adult learning, smaller environment, more access to the teacher, worked a lot better for me. So I worked through HR, um, ended up working in a recruitment company in more, that ended up in more of an operational role. So um, looking after that, you know, that had an element of a PA that it looked after the reception team and looked after a lot of systems and processes within the business. Um, I moved on for that role for a variety of reasons. Some I'm proud of, some of them I'm not that proud of, but we, you know, we live and we learn um, and took on a very basic sort of payroll admin HR job um, just to kind of get back on my feet a little bit and quickly realised I was extremely understimulated in that role. I sort of was very stimulated in the previous role. It was a big role, lots of hours, lots of responsibility. And I took this sort of more basic role and went, oh, what have I done now? I'm totally underwhelmed and totally understimulated. 
At that same time, a few of my friends started small businesses, one a recruitment company, one a HR consulting company. We'd worked together before, and so they'd sort of seen me in that office manager operations role and sort of enlisted me to help them get their business up off the ground just with like basic things like setting up their Facebook page, setting up the bones of a website. Um, and it just sort of went from there. To be honest, I'd never heard of the term virtual assistant or virtual personal assistant. I had no concept of that industry at all. Um, but I started, I kept my full-time job and started working for some friends on the side. Word spread, spread very quickly. Fortunately for me, those people quite well connected. Um, and sort of within sort of six weeks, I was taking sick days off work to go and meet with potential new clients, which didn't feel great. Um, so I decided I'd quit my full-time job in HR and payroll and see if I could make this business, um, I guess, a full-time income. When I resigned, the business I was working for said to me, you can't resign. We're about to restructure the whole HR team and you're going to be the only person left. And I was like, well, that's great. And I did have a bit of guilt and it was a compliment in a way, but it wasn't aligned with what I wanted to be doing. So they asked me to stay on part-time, which was actually perfect because it allowed me to scale down my full-time income and scale up my freelance or personal business income at the same time. And I had um, probably what I'd worked out at maybe three months worth of my wage in my savings account. So I was like, okay, worst case, I'll give this thing three months and I'll know um, having worked in recruitment, I could get back into the workforce within three months. I could explain a three month gap on my resume. Um, having worked in recruitment before, I knew I could do that. And it'll be five years this November since the, I registered the business name on the 9th of November, sent my very first invoice off. Um, and so yeah, it'll be five years this November since, since I made that call. So it took you around about three, four months to transition from starting to take on a little of this work to making it a full-time thing. That's Pretty yeah, quick. so I made that decision. So I registered the business in November. I resigned in the January um, and I stayed on with that business for three months till pretty much the Easter long weekend and phased down from sort of five days to three days to two days. Um, and then so by the Easter of the following year, the April, I was full time in the business with a basically a full client load, you know, enough to earn what I needed to earn to pay my mortgage and my bills and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, I would love to know, do you think starting a business was ever in your pipeline? Did you grow up with parents in business? Yeah. Talk to me about that decision. Yeah. Not at all. My dad is a, was a high school religion teacher his whole life. My mom is a secretary in the school system. So they had worked in schools our, our whole lives. So I'm one of five children. Um, so in our family, we've got people that work in HR, a flooring company, um, like medical um, pathology and another school system. So someone who works in the school system. None of my um, now sibling-in-laws, none of them run their own business. It was very foreign. And honestly, Ruby, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't. I didn't even realise I had started a business. Like I was just doing it very informally, more as favours to friends. And then before I knew it, I was like, I'd always thought 
you know, if you ever wanted to start your business or get even get to certain levels in business, you had to have business degrees, you know, these sorts of things. And don't get me wrong, there are still industries, I'm sure that, oh, and I know that you need that, you know, qualification, that level of qualification. But I, I just always thought people that ran their own businesses had sort of university degrees and all of that sort of thing. And it's not, wasn't the case in my situation. Yeah. What I find really fascinating and really exciting about hearing your story though, Adrian, is that you're someone that from the outside and maybe there's a whole inner dialogue going on here that we're we're not aware of but from the outside you seem like you're someone that has a bit of gusto that you are quite comfortable taking on a challenge taking on something new and you learned business on on the job while you were doing it you were learning as you went and for some people that's terrifying but like you said I think something really important you said you believed that people needed business degrees but as we both know so much of what you learn about business is your relationships actually what you do day to day and how productive you are in order mm. to turn those relationships into clients so yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that because maybe you can tell us more about what was going on in your head. Maybe you were shit scared the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's funny, like that's probably the word gusto is probably not something I would use to refer but I can to myself, but I can understand from the outside that that's what it would have looked like, especially because it's grown luckily through minimum well no advertising or not too much a, a lot of it's referral and network based which I'm sure we'll talk more about but I guess yeah I think one word I would probably use is just resourcefulness and that's something that I do a fair bit of sort of um, informal mentoring for other virtual assistants now through a network I've started with a um, colleague of mine and just through the VAs that work for my business that help me with overflow work and that's one thing I always try to explain to them is the importance of being resourceful and you know not just being like I don't know that being the end of the sentence it being like I don't know but let me have a look let me ask someone let me post in a group that sort of thing and I think that's a lot of what helped me get through is that sort of you know being resourceful but also and this is one of the other key things that I talk to the girls about mainly ladies in our industry is like be comfortable to say uh, know what is your area of expertise and know what's not you know when I first started the business I had no idea what I needed to know from an accounting and a tax and a business legal business setup point of view and I'm I don't know why I have this very big fear of like owing the government money or if you know getting these crazy tax bills or something so I made sure I spoke to an expert in that area and they said yep set this up this is your business this is what you need to do with tax this is what you need to do with your bank accounts that sort of thing so I think yeah it's a lot of it, I think, is about being resourceful. Mm, I like that. And 100% I agree because problems will crop up all the time. And especially if you have a client facing business, which pretty much all the businesses that we work with and that you work, you work with clients as well, making sure they have the best experience is imperative. And sometimes that 
requires a bit of problem solving and being able to think on your feet. And yeah. also, like you say, acknowledging when something's not your area so that you can give them the best experience by referring them out to someone that you know really well. And I'm keen to dive into that a little bit later, but something that I picked on picked up on that you said just then was that you have pretty much built this business over nearly five years through minimal advertise or no advertising you know facebook ads very your social media presence and you don't mind me saying this is very simple um your website again very simple and so much of it is through relationships through your connections and having really great trust and being a great person to deal with with those immediate people that you know that they can't help but want to refer to you which is a wonderful wonderful place for a business to start and obviously if you can keep growing your business that way that's even better as well but I think I'm interested to know some tips some reflections that you have on those early days of building those relationships and why why do you think that's so successful for you I, I don't mind that you're saying that my online presence is minimal because, to be honest, like the day that we got put into lockdown, what was that, the 5th of August here in Newcastle, um, I was like, oh, I need a little project. I might finally start some social media for my business. And even before that, like the n- name of the big business organized by Adrian is like in the last six months, I finally picked a name and it's taken me that long. And there's many reasons for that. But it's never gotten in the way having a website or having a lack of social media has never got in the way for me, which is great. And I think in a service-based business, you can sort of get away with that obviously a bit more. Um, Reflections on the referral part, I guess too, because it was very much sort of started by accident, like you said at the top of the episode um, and word of mouth, they're probably, there was never really a chance to stop and work on the business because I was working on clients businesses I guess Um, and it never as I said it never got in the way not having a website I think you're right about people having you know I don't know if it's a good first impression or just a, a first good interaction like don't get me wrong I've sat and had coffee with people and had meetings with people and they've said you're not for us or I've said I'm not for your business and that I understand that's a privileged position for me to be in to be able to turn work down and and pick and choose who I work with that's not always been the case but it has been in a few instances um but yeah I think just having for those people to have a good first interaction with the business to you know if you get off the call and say okay I'll send you some information follow up you know do it by the time you say you were going to if not before and like you said if if you're referring me to your your friend Sue and Sue likes and trusts you and you like and trust me, then I automatically kind of get credibility through your reputation, I guess, as well. It's sort of a funny way to explain it, but because Sue in this example, you know, likes you and trusts you and thinks you're credible and she will, um, I guess, respect your referrals as well on, on who you use in your business or who you would recommend. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're such a a dream to talk to Adrian, because you have 
almost like it's almost like an old school way of building business that I think business owners need to return to more and more because we have lost touch with our capacity and and some of it is actually because we can't right now physically Mm. be in the presence of people and I know for sure we were just talking uh, offline about a networking event that we both attended and how much we missed that and I do think that in-person connection is really really valuable and there's some depth that you can create through that that you can't always create through a zoom call I agree and I think like I know it's a silly analogy to use but it's sort of like dating like I was single for a long time and tried online dating there'd be times where I'd you know be messaging a guy back and forth and feel like oh we've got a really good chat and then you'd go and catch up in a physical you know way at a pub or a bar or a walk or a coffee or whatever and it didn't translate I think you save a lot of time especially for small business owners that are trying to wear all the hats um you save a lot of time by meeting someone face to face and going yes I would use that person in my business or there's enough there to have like a further conversation or no we're just not the right fit for each other it's something I say all the time where I'm not going to be for everyone and everyone's not going to be for me that's fine but I think in those sort of networking events which is how I grew my business a lot at the start by going to those sorts of events like the feed collective event that we talked about or the various um you know whether it's women or all-inclusive networking groups that we've got around Newcastle how whether they're formal or informal you you do get a chance to meet the person have that connection straight away and especially in small business you work quite closely with people like some of my clients when I work for them I'm sitting at their dinner table and their kids are coming home from school and their partner's cooking dinner you know it's quite intimate in a lot of ways like you really need to trust that person not only in that way but also you have access to their passwords their bank accounts their emails that sort of thing so again there's a a huge amount of trust involved yeah that's that's so cool and so there's so many really valuable things in that because also we can tend to hide behind our social media presence we can tend to hide behind our website but I often being on the other side I often find it hard if I don't have a personal connection with someone to trust them whether it be a graphic designer or a lawyer or accountant I think we still really heavily rely on others opinions Mm. and that trust factor and the capacity to connect with people before we hand over our credit cards so yeah 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 and not even just like our credit cards but our ideas and our you know, new products or new offerings or, uh, you know, an idea for the business to kind of be like, hey, like, what do you think? And be able to be fully vulnerable with that person to be like, what do you think of this design? What do you think of this idea? What do you think of this price point for this product? You, you, yeah, that trust is so important. Yeah. Okay. So some of the business owners that you work with, I imagine, are probably bigger and more established but then there's some smaller business owners that might be getting to the point and I know that this is the majority of 
women and men that listen to this show, they tend to be small businesses, maybe a little team, but they're getting to that point where they're drowning and they're freaking out because they don't know if they can actually grow their business, if they don't get on top of what they currently have, that current workload, and then they want to quit because yeah. it's too much. Too and much. I'm sure you've heard all of the stories yeah. <laughs> and you're probably a great, uh, great counselor when people are feeling like that as well. Maybe not what you signed up for, but it's part of your role. And so before they rush out and hire someone like you, because they go, help, I need help. Okay, I'm going to go and hire Adrian. What's really important for them to think about first? Like what's one of the first steps you would recommend either before they meet with you or what they bring to a meeting? Yeah. If they're, if they're drowning and they don't know where to start. Yeah, for sure. So I will have in the past had people come to me and say, everyone's telling me I need a VA. I don't know what that means, but I need help. And one of the very first things we do is write down all the stuff they really love and all the stuff that gives them the shits, basically. The stuff that keeps them up all night, thinking I've got to do that. Or this, also the, the tasks in their business that make them doubt themselves. Like some people are just not good at numbers and they'll be up at two o'clock being like, oh, you're so crap at this. You know, you can't do your numbers, but they're not giving themselves credit for all this like other amazing stuff that they're doing. So anything that's make, making them question their self-doubt or things that are just like every time they do it, they're like, oh, I'm just going to go and make a cup of tea. Oh, I'm just going to do this or check my phone again and really avoid certain tasks. But on the other side, the stuff that they love that really makes them happy when they get to do it because that very quickly becomes your keep and your throw out or outsource list and then it's just a matter of going okay is a VA like right the right person for the things that are on the list of things that you don't like doing because sometimes it's not sometimes it's an accountant sometimes it's um like a, a like a virtual receptionist which is different to a virtual assistant sometimes it's a social media provider agency sometimes you know there's it's a website person, but it very quickly, the answer sort of floats to the surface in that way. But yeah, I think it's just massively um, based on the things that they really love keeping those. And then the things that are really those 2am in the middle of the night, you know, haven't ticked that off. I'm avoiding that. It's making me question myself, the stuff that they really hate. That's usually the first exercise we do. And from that, sometimes it, we, we don't work with them because they don't actually need a virtual assistant um they may need something else but that's usually the first step yeah and you know what I think that's probably an exercise that everyone should do every quarter yes. <laughs> every yeah. month even is yeah. evaluate where you're at or as things like lockdowns happen as well sometimes they're really good chances for you to reset processes and systems in your business yeah. it might also change how you do your business as well so true and if you're running your own business is something I talk about with the like the girls that work for me the best thing is you get to pick when you work how you work and who you work with so sometimes like you might get this gut feeling that this client is not for you and that's the good thing it's not like you're in an office environment where you're like you know what I don't gel with that guy on the other side of the office but that's just the way it is. You know, this is the job I have. Likewise, as a business owner, you get to pick the stuff that you really love. That's one of the privileges and perks of having your own business. So having that opportunity to kill, even I do that. Like sometimes I'll get clients ask me to do things that are not 
you know, what really gets me super excited. And they're the first things that I outsource to someone else because someone else will love that kind of thing. It's not what I love. And that's the perk of having been the owner of the business or getting to choose how you spend your time. Yeah, such a good mindset to have and to take that to the next step and actually, if you will, coach your assistants that work for you or other service providers that you outsource to, to actually say, hey, it's okay if you turn around to me and say, that's not for me right now or I yeah whether it be timing whether it be desire to do that type of project I think that's really really shows a lot of leadership Adrian yeah but it's also super empowering for you to be like yeah I actually don't have to say yes to everybody and I've built this environment instead of thinking like I've got to do everything and feeling like overwhelmed is like shifting that mindset to be like no I can actually outsource this if my budget allows And just keep the cool stuff for myself. Yeah. So it's so important for us to remember because we can very quickly create a job rather than a business. Mm. (laughs) It's so easy to do. And so coming back to if it's for you, bigger picture, why, vision, whatever you need to remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing and then make decisions from that place. But that's so nice. I think that you actually support them through that as well, because sometimes we forget. Sometimes Mm. we go, Oh, I've got to take all the work now because it might dry up and trusting. Yeah. And we've like, yeah, we've definitely all been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So you do, or you offer a range of parts of, business that you can support people in Mm -hmm. from things like marketing to admin to events and some of those uh, like you were saying to me earlier events uh, make up a smaller amount but then perhaps the admin or the marketing is is a larger proportion of your work yeah. Now, are you an, an expert in all of those areas? This is a bit of a leading question, but. Definitely not. As I said before, like my background is very much in office admin and HR slash recruitment. So I've never studied marketing. What I know about marketing, I've learned, but I also have like contractors that I plug into. So photographers, I have two that I use here in Newcastle, graphic designers, videographers, web developers caterers, event venues, you know, all that sort of thing, because I don't know all of that. I guess my role a lot in those sorts of projects is coordination or project management sort of thing. So yeah, my background is more so in sort of general admin, but the majority of our clients now come to us for sort of, um, I guess, just that overall support. And that's usually a combination of events, website, basic social media, organic social media. So we don't do any paid social media that's one area I've always said I don't want to offer I think that's like a specialization in Mm -hmm. itself um and then just general admin like on any given day we could be doing anything from creating a spreadsheet of all the schools in our local government area so we can send them some information to like and this is a real example of this week to finding catering for a venue to um like listing a client's car on Facebook marketplace to sell that's like it you know in that way there is that true personal assistant element to the job where you are helping them and their family or their personal life to you know building a web page to doing research on local you know emails of all the local schools in our area 
do catering quotes for a, an event. Yeah, amazing. So tell me, do you outsource at all to overseas? Because I think, uh, just to give you some context, whenever I've thought of virtual PA or a virtual assistant, uh, I think, okay, I'm outsourcing to India or to yeah. Southeast Asia. Yeah. Do you do you have a network of people there, or are you more likely to give your work first to local contractors? First, local always. That may be. I not not that I have anything about. Off, I have don't have any issue with using offshore virtual assistants. I've used them many mm. times, and I've also worked with clients who have an offshore virtual assistant that I would sort of that would sort of report into me as their you know virtual assistant here in Newcastle um so local always just because I really love it a lot of women helped me local women helped me get my business up and running through referrals through inviting me along to events introducing me to people giving me you know all the info that they could on how they got started and I've always felt not a duty but I wanted to be able to pay that forward to other people so wherever I can I will outsource locally um, within our region on the central coast which is where I grew up um, but you're right about the virtual industry the virtual assistant industry overseas that is what a lot of people will automatically think is a call center type environment with a low cost usually between sort of five and ten us dollars an hour virtual assistant which is based usually in India or the Philippines that's where the industry sort of started but there's a lot of women doing like really amazing work for the VA industry in Australia to sort of show that we have this huge industry here and that the two can work in conjunction because there's definitely a place for both I believe that there'll be people in my industry who very much disagree with me um, but in my experience, there is definitely a space for both. But yeah, I will always try to outsource locally first because also too, I like to be able to go and sit at Tallulah at the junction and sit with someone and look at the same screen or scribble on a piece of paper to be like, okay, this is what we need the invitation to look like and have, you know, that um, interaction. Yeah. And so... I mean, cost-wise, how does it work for you in terms of, and you don't need to divulge costs, but I yeah. guess if, you, uh, if you've got your team and if you are organising that team, do you, is there a fee on top of that for your part in that process and that organisation process? Yeah, so if I say to a client, we're going to need other people on this. Like that's not my area of expertise. Say it's we're going to need a graphic designer because I can only do so much saying Canva and like, you know, I was talking to a client this morning with to do some Facebook ads and I was like, I think we need to get a graphic designer to do the, the visual element of the ad because I've had a play around in Canva and it's looking a bit homemade, I think, and we really want it to be polished. So let's do that. And they're like, yep. That's fine. And in those sorts of situations, the graphic designer will just um, invoice my client directly. So they'll still pay me whatever my normal hours are or whatever I'm doing. But where there's an external contractor, I would get them just to invoice the client directly. If it's something 
you know, internally that I want to outsource to the team that work for me, they, what they charge me is, yes, it's less than what I charge my clients because I have to brief them on the work, then they do it, I need to check it and then send it to the client. So there is a small markup on their hourly rate versus my hourly rate. I think that's that's really great that you clarified that because, uh, yeah, I think there's so many different ways that you can can work this, hey, and uh, there's a definite reason why you would go through you and because you've also got all of those trusted contacts. So thank you for being transparent on that. That's fine. I think, and don't get me wrong, I've lost money on projects because I was like, I wasn't up front to say, I didn't have the skill set and I was in that position where I was like, I just need to say yes to everything because I know this project's finishing soon. And I lost money on projects because what the contractors were charging me was like $20 more than what I was charging for the client. And I was like, okay, I just had to absorb that because I'd sort of, you know, not brief the project right in my head, not realize the skill set that the project needed. Um, But they're good lessons to have learned on and again they're not things that you you don't learn that stuff in school you don't you learn you don't you know learn any of this sort of stuff in school or that sort of thing so it's it's just working a lot of it out as you go yes and imagine though if we had learned some of this stuff in school i mean sure we might learn how to budget and things like that but if we learned how to value our work and value our services and mm what some of these basic scenarios look like, I think business would be a lot more exciting for people rather yeah. than this, these scary numbers. Yeah. And I have so like even clients that I have like so much respect for that I see as like these highly experienced, incredible business women still are like, oh, no, you tell them the price. Oh, no, you send them the invoice. And I'm like, it's always, it's shocking, but it's reassuring in a way that, with so many of us are like um you know sorry this is my rate it's like no this is my rate that's the end of the conversation like some people might not be able to afford it I've had people that are like really that's I can get someone to do it for twenty dollars that's fine that's no problem because it's space for people in the market too when other people are like oh god I thought your rate was going to be a hundred dollars there that's great yeah we'll sign you up you know let's get started type thing so yeah, the money conversations with clients and that self-value is an evolving relationship, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah. I imagine you've had a lot of practice, though, nearly being five years in business, probably thinking back to where you started and how much you charged. And and I don't know if, you know, if that's steadily increased. Hopefully yeah. it has over time. Yeah. But uh, sometimes we also... We really underestimate in the beginning how good we are as well. And yes, we need that experience, but also it's often funny to look back, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, when I first started and someone said to me, what was your out, like, what do you charge? I literally took what my annual salary was at the recruitment company, divided by 52 weeks, divided by 38 hours a week. And that's what I told them. Well, little did I know I had to pay everything myself. So out of that $35 an hour, I had to pay super tax by internet I had to buy a laptop I had to you know like I just work from home so there's not a huge amount of overheads but still that was one of the biggest not mistakes but things I wish I knew back then was how to properly calculate a charge rate 
only since the 1st of July have I been paying myself superannuation because I did the maths on how much I should have paid for the last five years and gave myself a rude shot. So I was like, okay, well, your rates need to go up then. Like just by a couple of dollars, but that's, no one's going to pay it for you. But they're the things where I'm like, oh God, I wish I hadn't known that five years ago, but better to know it now than in another five years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I often look back and think that I wish I knew everything, but sometimes we have to go through things the hard way as well to know, okay, this is really what my value is because in, in the beginning you're, you are, you're just putting a price on things. You kind of pulling figures, like you said, you did did a maths equation. And so I think sometimes we learn by our mistakes, but it gives us the confidence to move forward and keep making those decisions in a more effective way. And if someone had told me what I should in, you know, in quotations be charging five years ago and I started the business, I never would have started it because I never would have been able to say a number like that to clients. I never would have said it. And I maybe would never have got to this point in the business if I was charging that from the jump. So it is what it is, I guess. Mm. So if you, uh, I feel like with the the range of work you do, you probably have quite a lot of projects on the go mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you have specific systems in place to manage lots of different projects? And the reason I ask you this is because I think this is one thing that scares people as they grow is either if if I offer more services so it gets my business gets more complex or or I have the ability to bring more people in and so my the number of people that I'm servicing increases that's a really that's a really scary part for people to be in and can I can I possibly manage this and what Mm. systems am I going to need in place so I would love to hear from you. Maybe there's some lessons you've learned over the years about one one we talked about earlier was saying no to certain work and certain clients. But other than that, what other systems do you use? How complex are they? Are they online tools? Yeah, tell us all the all the secrets. Yeah, for sure. So one important thing I guess to mention here is how clients engage me. So clients most of the clients, and this is something that I've definitely pushed towards, choose a time slot, which in the week, maybe one day, maybe two days, maybe three days, and that is their dedicated time slot. So for example, I've got a client on the Central Coast who's a HR consultant for small businesses. So from eight till 10 on a Monday and from one till three on a Wednesday, she knows I'm sitting at my computer purely there to do her work. So she knows that by eight o'clock on a Monday and one o'clock on a Wednesday, she has to have like the stuff to me so that I can do all the things that she needs done every week. So they've got allocated time slots. And in that time, I'm 100% focused on them and my coffee or, you know, whatever it is in the music in the background. So that works really well. What I found is I was losing so much time time and it's really hard to bill when you're flipping and flopping between clients so doing you know jumping on and and checking ruby's email for her and doing 15 minutes of clearing out her inbox for her and then jumping on and doing you know judy's invoicing for the morning and all these sort of bits and pieces it's really hard for one me to qualify that um 
quantify that time and charge for it, but you're just losing so much time flipping and flopping, getting into the headspace of Ruby and then in Judy's business and being, so that works well for me. So it's not so much a system as play as, as much as it is, I guess, the, the business model that I have. So the majority of my clients are set up in that way. They have their allocated time slot and then any other more project-based thing. So I've got one client that just comes to me sort of once a year to plan their staff Christmas party or, um, you know, things like that. I just slot those in, in between. My day is not booked from, you know, eight to five o'clock. It's usually sort of one or two time slots, two clients each day. And then I fit any other kind of event or project-based work around that. So that works quite well for me. In terms of systems, I try to um, ask clients to give me my own email on their domain. So I have an inbox for their business because then when I'm working for them I'm just in that email I found at the start all my clients were using my one business email and things were getting missed or it was just really hard to sort of triage that information because you're working your email and then another client's email comes in and you get distracted by that so that also works well for me they give me a designated but it's you know Adrian at or sometimes it's you know admin at info at that sort of thing that works well with the system side of things, I've always found it really hard to request clients to work within the systems that I have in place because at the end of the day, like I'm temporary in their business, they might decide at five o'clock on Friday, they're getting a new VA on Monday morning. So I always try to have like them be the owner of the systems and the system work for their logic, how their brain works, and I will adapt to that because I've tried to implement um, say Trello as an example, like a project management tool for a client and her head just didn't work that way. She just liked a spreadsheet. She just liked a spreadsheet where she could put tasks in that she needed and a due date and I would go and we had a colour-coded system completed, working on it, need more information. That's how her brain worked and that was the best way for me to extract tasks from her so I could really give her good bang for her buck because we, we, she, we were just tripping over each other on Trello so my preference is Trello. I use that for my own business and for my VAs, but I try to work in with clients what works for them, their head, whether it's a spreadsheet. Honestly, I have clients that write stuff down and take a photo of it. If that's what works, I've got one client who puts everything on Facebook Messenger and I just have it on mute so I don't get distracted. And then when I know what I'm working for her, I go and check that message because it works for her just to get it out of her brain as it happens. And then I'll just go and deal with it when I'm working in her time slot. So I wish it was a simpler answer, but to me, it's really important that one, the client owns all the systems. So if I win the lotto tomorrow or move overseas or they find another VA or whatever it is, they've always, they own all those assets and systems and processes, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that's completely makes sense. And do you ever suggest new systems to implement as well? Yeah, I do. So um, especially when it comes to uh, different, especially from like a customer point of view. So for my clients, customers, they'll ask about, you know, oh, I want this system to be able to do that. You know, I've got this program I've got this seven-day course or this seven-day program I wanted to I want people to sign up I want them to pay $9.95 and I just wanted to get emailed to them every single day how do I know what happens because I've signed up for other people's things how does that happen so in those things yes I would be like okay so we need 
PayPal at a minimum, we need, you know, a MailChimp account at a minimum, we need Vimeo to host your videos, those sorts of systems. Um, but yeah, if a client came to me and say, says, you know, I'll work with whatever system you want, I'm a big fan of Trello. I, it just works well for me and I'm very used to it now. I'm very comfortable. I've trained other business owners in it and set, you know, they just brought me in just to set Trello up for their business. So that would be my go-to for kind of managing workflow and um, tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to look up Trello. My sister swears by it. My sister's yeah. a UX designer and mm -hmm. she loves it for managing yeah. all the ideas. And I guess all of the team and her startup are on it as well. So yeah. You've got me curious now. I think yeah. that would be good. <laughs> oh, I had a client who loved it. Like he, they managed their whole home renovation through it. Him and his wife shared the board and they managed their whole home renovation using a Trello board. So, I mean, there's lots of them out there in that kind of managing workflow. Um, like the business I implemented it in was a um, children's occupational therapist. So, and it was, there were a lot of NDIS clients, so very, very specific life cycle you know they had to get these forms at the start a three-month check-in a six-month check-in funding letters at the end so it worked really well for that to kind of manage the life cycle of different clients too depending on the the life cycle of your your customers yeah super super interesting i i i think this whole side of managing businesses now it's amazing i was talking to someone in the states and she's very much a fan she works a lot with online businesses so coaches and mm -hmm. creative businesses as well and so she's very passionate about dubsado and honeybrook yeah. and so she's that's her thing she just helps people with that and i think yeah. it's amazing that all of these new industries or, or new expert roles have come about because things are going online and and the systems need to suit a certain type of business that's yeah. kind of where i'm seeing it going more and more yeah. yeah definitely and i think gone are the days of like huge big custom systems that cost 30 40,000 even websites you know back when we were building one for the recruitment company it was a full custom site it was 40 or 50,000 dollars and now it's like you can get a squarespace site for you know 20 dollars a month for a small business on a subscription it totally works for that you know a small business it's yeah interesting how much it's changed so on that the last thing i wanted to talk to you about and perhaps you can share a little bit about your business and and where you want to go what some of your dreams are i love hearing how people want to grow their business and what's next but if we think about the virtual pa industry as a whole where do you think that's going i mean it sounds like a stupid question because the internet is here and it's not going away and yeah you know times like we're in right now means that everybody is moving everything online yeah, let's talk macro for a second and then we can talk about your business after yeah. that. Yeah, I think um, we've definitely seen a surge in VAs coming onto the scene since the pandemic um, because those the roles that a lot of these women were in were heavily impacted um, and they're trying to find something that allows them to be home you know what's happened recently where it's like you're going into lockdown at five o'clock today like they automatically have gone from the office manager to the homeschooler within 
you know, an hour's notice. So I think a lot more people looking for something that is flexible. And two, now that the, you know, a lot of businesses have caught up to the fact that their staff don't need to be in the office all the time, more and more people are getting used to the idea that they can have people remote and not see them. That obviously makes more way for virtual assistants and virtual receptionists and, and things like that. So um, I definitely also see in terms of the BA groups that I'm in something that I see a lot of is people joining the groups have just been like, oh, I want to be a VA. What do I do? Where do I start? That sort of thing. And it's like, this is not just, you know, you still need to come with like a bit of an idea on what type of VA that you want to be and to be um, willing to learn and take control of that and not just be like, okay, I'm going to join this group and everyone's going to show me what it need, what it means to be a VA because there are a lot of variations like I see a lot of my clients face to face just because they're locally in Newcastle but that's not what everyone does or some people are very niche and then um, that's a conversation that's constantly in our industry to niche or not to niche you know I've got VAs in our network that just are VAs for tradies that's all they do or just VAs for allied health professionals who are in the NDIS system that's their only client where I'm the opposite I'm like I don't have two clients that are in the same industry because I don't have that many original ideas and I it's nice to have the variety and to learn from other industries and then apply that to like well this client did this in real estate it's so foreign to your industry but we could be able to use it so that's an ongoing conversation in the VA world too around niching but I think we'll definitely see like an influx of new VAs into the scene because of the pandemic and the fact that a lot of these women are also the homemaker and the homeschooler and they need something that they can do when and while we're still in this time of uncertainty with you know your homeschooling for a month at the drop of a hat mm. yeah so when it comes to your business and how that fits into it it mm -hmm. doesn't sound like you're going you're going to niche down that you're going to stay with the range of clients and I think that's so cool the reason that you do that is because it gives variety and you get to learn about these different businesses it's fun isn't it when you might work with a florist and you love flowers you could never imagine yourself being a florist but at least yeah. it gives you that touch point with that type of business yeah definitely and I just love the variety and it's you know it's funny you mentioned before about a business is starting by accident like there have been times in the business where it I haven't had as much stimulation or as much variety and I've you know instead of putting all that pressure on the business for it to be everything that's one thing I've never wanted for the business is it I have the tendency to be a workaholic. I've seen that in the past and I've lost, you know, solid relationships because of that, because it sort of became my everything. Um, but I guess one thing I've always wanted with this business is to like, I've never, people have always said to me, like, you could have a team of networks and you could run this like thing. I'm like, I don't want that. That just sounds like, no, it sounds stupid, but it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of pressure and a lot of mouths to feed where, you know, in the past where I've needed a bit more stimulation or to somehow get a bit of creativity out. I, you know, I had the podcast that we mentioned, the Bold platform. I had that for 18 months and that was 
a hobby. It didn't generate income. It purely was a hobby. The last time we were in lockdown, you know, last year in the height of sort of that, I started like a quarantine related greeting card business just as like a little side project just for a bit of stimulation, but also to take the pressure off this business having to be everything and to be, you know, 100% of my income. So I probably would see that as another potential down the track. Um, but I also, I've always been quite a hesitant traveler. I'm quite scared of flying. Um, but I think having that choice taken away <laughs> in the past 12 months, um, that's something, and having since met an Irishman, it's definitely something that I want to like, you know, spend more time thinking about and, and doing now, especially now that that choice was, yeah, taken away not to, not to travel. It's something that I definitely want to do now. Um, and also the mentoring and working with other VAs in our region. I really love that. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And it's a great way to stay connected when it can be a bit lonely sometimes working on your own or working from home. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do? Just quickly, just entertain me for a second. What do you do to keep life interesting? A lot of us are working from home more now than we probably used to. We don't, we're yeah. not having meetings outside of home, even if we have a business that, that we can work from home with. But yeah, talk to me about what you do to keep things interesting and fun. And yeah. 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 So I'm a big, big podcast listener. I probably, I don't physically own a TV. I, if I watch any kind of trashy reality I just watch it on my laptop but I'm a big podcast listener so that's um, a big part of I guess my downtime is listening to mainly interview based podcast um when we're not in quarantine I probably three to four mornings a week will meet a girlfriend down at the beach um July of last year July of yeah, not this year, last year, just around my birthday, I was diagnosed with um, depression and something weird about the sunrise, but starting the day like that has really helped me um, along with, you know, seeing a psychologist and eating right and doing the other things has really helped stay on top of my depression. So I'm definitely missing that at the moment, but that's also a big part of my, um, I guess, routine and how I just make sure I don't just get up and get straight out of bed and walk straight to the desk. Um, and yeah, having recently met my now partner, that's still, we're still only in our kind of early days of dating. We've only been together for six months. So that's still, you know, we're still very much in that kind of dating phase. So that's nice too. We have, he's a, works in hospitality. So we have very different schedules. Um, but having the flexibility in my business allows us to have a bit of a crossover in the middle of the day and things like that. So I've also got a big family. I've mentioned before, I've got, I'm one of five and between my four siblings, they have 12 children. So there's always something to be doing in the auntie world <laughs> at the moment. It's FaceTiming, but there's all my families on the central coast. There's always stuff to do with them watching soccer games or going, hanging out with them. It's always someone's birthday in a family of 21 or 22 however many we're up to now so there's always sort of something to do in terms of family family interactions as well yeah, yeah. I, I love that I I think um we've got to be resourceful in these times and yeah, yeah I think even living 
with my husband, which I've always lived with, right? But now it takes it to that next level of intensity. And so, you know, how do you keep your relationships interesting when you're both at home all day, every day? And yeah, yeah, throw kids into the mix. I, I'm so in awe of people that are attempting to do a few different things at once, right? <laughs> I don't know. I Yeah, kids are not... I, I don't have kids of my own. It's not something that I is something that I want for myself, but I just look at some of my clients that are, yeah, trying to run small businesses and homeschool and, you know, still stay on top of friendships and just be digesting the news every day and what that means and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and all of that. I'm just like, their heads just like must be popping off. It's just, yeah, it's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adrienne, it's been really interesting chatting to you. I think uh, you you would be such an asset to so many businesses. You are an asset to so many businesses, should I say. So, yeah, thank you for doing the work that you do because uh, taking that work that people don't love so much and putting your time and your love into it and and making something of it for them you know that's a really important piece of someone's business so yeah i just want to say thank you for for doing that and doing what you do and if anyone is curious about working with you what would be the next steps what type of businesses do they need to be at a certain stage uh, obviously we talked about marketing admin and events are the areas that you work in yeah share with us what what would be the, the best steps yeah, it's a good question. I, the businesses that we work with have come to us when they're five years in, five days in, five months in, and it's a real variety. There's pros and cons of entering a business at whichever stage. So that I wouldn't, um, I'd encourage people not to rule themselves out if they're just getting started or they're very established. It's still definitely worth, you know, jumping on our, my social media, which is organized by Adrian. It's only a few weeks old, but it's getting there. Um, or my website, which is actually being rebuilt at the moment, which is just adriandonnelly.com.au and getting in touch and just have a, a phone call. As I said, I've got the network of virtual assistants here in Newcastle that we run, I think is about 70 members at the moment. So that's across Newcastle, Port Stephens, the Central Coast. Um, so there's, I was always able to find someone that if it's not me, that's able to help the, the information then gets taken straight to that group to say, Hey, I've spoken with this business. They're looking for this, that, and the other, who's got the right skill set. Um, it's always worth just having a question or having a conversation and asking those questions about how you could potentially use a, a virtual assistant in um, in your business and what skill set they might need and what it might cost you and how many hours a week you might need them for and you know that that sort of arrangement because there's so many different ways the VAs that I know and work with are very flexible um, and can usually often tailor a solution to each individual businesses because the no two are the same so it's always worth having a conversation or a, also to people are thinking of exploring a career as a virtual assistant wants to understand a little bit more about what that means I'm happy to chat with those people too just to kind of share my experience in a bit more detail and kind of the nitty-gritty of how how it could work that's, that's so ge generous of you Adrian and 
I'm sure people, I'm smiling and nodding because I'm going, this woman sounds like the dream. I think everybody needs someone like you in their life, uh, even if it's a conversation and you point them in the right direction. Make sure you reach out to Adrian, especially if you are locally based and you know, right now it's also a really cool time. We are focusing our efforts towards small business. If we're small business owners, there's definitely an, a uh, desire to support other small businesses. So yeah, this would be a great place to start because you also work with a number of them too. So yeah, thank you so much for everything you do, Adrian, and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me.